Uh, I've, uh, Anna, myself, uh, big way for a man, she, uh, we've been journeying faith together. We both became Christians on the 30th of May, 1984 at Roker Park as a, a young, younger boy and girlfriend. And uh, we were there at uh, Mission England and Billy Graham was speaking and we responded and began a faith journey together, which was, uh, it's been great, hasn't it, Pat? Yeah? And, uh, but my connection with you guys here, 19th of November, 2019, Ben and I had a cup of coffee just over the road there. And I was just sharing how I just started working for the message. And Ben back then had just talked about there was this huge building project that was going to take place here. And he had a heart for Eden, but at this moment in time, they probably weren't in a place where Eden would be uh, a thing that the church was ready for. And, uh, but during lockdown, I got a phone call off Ben and said, uh, I think we're up for Eden. And so began a, a great conversation together. And we'll talk a bit about Eden later on. It's been great for me to observe the growing community of faith here, mainly online, but just seeing from what started uh, as, a, as, a, as a plant from by, uh, Biker, from, from Belfry, we're back to see the excitement that's growing in this church over the, over the years. And, and I was just chatting to Pat. I feel like I've known Pat for years. We just met at the, at the chit-chat bit. And Pat was just saying, when she came, she knew when she was crossing this road, the presence of God in this place. And she, when she arrived, she knew that she was going to be rooted here. That says a lot about what God is doing amongst you as a people. And uh, not only that, you have your own celebrity, Lee. I used to watch him online when you were doing the building updates. They were proper fantastic. He was a great uh, entertainer back then. Uh, well, back then, he still is. So I've got the joy of joining in in week three of your series, Modern Questions in Ancient Answers. And uh, I want to think back to Joseph, uh, who we've been tracking through these weeks. And Joseph arrives on planet Earth about 1,500 to 2,000 years before Jesus come to planet Earth. So we're talking about three and a half thousand years ago, this guy that we're talking about, Joseph, was walking around the communities and the places where he lived. Yet it, we, we need to make sure we don't, because of the time, regulate this to be something that almost feels like a fairy story. These are stories of real people engaging with real situations, flesh and blood like us, and yet God has placed these stories in the Bible to somehow communicate eternal truths to us today on an ongoing basis. Je uh, Joseph was born to Jacob and Rachel, one of 12 sons, and he was the favourite. And maybe some of you have grown up in families where you felt uh, someone else is a favourite. We've got seven children, and uh, the constant conversation around the room is, Who's the favourite? Who's, who's Anne's favourite? Who's my favourite? And, and we, we have to navigate that. We have to navigate that because we all do know that Dan is Anne's favourite. 
even when she denies it. And uh, we've just, uh, we had a family wedding last weekend. Our daughter, Lydia, was a joy to give her away. And the whole tribe came in and Dan flew in from Toronto. And uh, yeah, he got looked after. He got looked after by his mum. So uh, we're on to week three. The first week, Brogan did a, a, a great job on the question, what is my purpose? He touched on that collective purpose, that sense of being a Christian on planet Earth today. There is a collective purpose to worship God, to glorify God in life and to tend the bit of earth that God has placed you in. But also over time, there will be a specific personal purpose that for some of us, we're already walking in, but for others, we'll discover in a more detailed way as we move forward. And then last week, Ben spoke on is getting cancelled the end and how your experiences don't write you off. That ultimately, the ultimate cancellation was of Jesus at the cross Yet God raised him, the Father raised him from the grave and dealt with every sense of cancellation that your life might throw at you. The beauty of the gospel of Jesus and how because of him, we all have access to a destiny and a purpose that will transform the world and those around us. My question this week is, who defines me? If I was going to summarise where we go through this, it's this, we're not prisoners to what other people say about us. It may surprise you. I'm sure you'll be shocked to know that I actually have come across people who do not like me. That is amazing to think because surely I am a great person. I'm fun to be around. Why would anybody not like me? Why would they speak ill of me? And they do. And if you live on planet Earth, as we all do, you'll discover there will be people who don't like you, who speak ill of you, who maybe speak things that aren't true about you. And we have to travel through life that. But God gives us a way that that will never, ever define us. So as we're going to look into Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 through to 23, we can do it two ways. We can do the Google Earth view. I don't know about you. I've looked on Google Earth. I've looked at my house from above to see what it looks like and enjoyed that. And then they brought street view, which was great because we went down and found out that all our curtains were shut and it was looked like two o'clock in the afternoon and I'm disappointed, but you can get to see what all the houses are like on your street. And I want us, as we read through these passages, rather than having a Google Earth view where we're up here, let's, let's try to place ourselves in the narrative that we're looking at, in the life of Joseph, what it might feel like if you were Joseph or you were in the room with Joseph as we go through this. So verse one, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. Just maybe backtrack a little bit because I think... Can, we just need to contemplate what a, an emotional and mental turmoil Joseph must find himself in this situation. About 17 years of age, bit of a dreamer, uh, somebody who can't read the room, that's for sure, because he has a dream, he comes and tells his brothers, 
you're all going to bow down before me. And he's a little bit surprised that they're not happy about that. Have you ever, have you ever met them people who speak and you think, can't you read the room? Can't you gauge that what you're saying isn't helpful? But nevertheless, Joseph did that to the point even that his dad, who actually loved him the most, rebuked him about that. Then he finds himself out in this divine encounter that Ben brought out last week, where he's now out in the middle of the wilderness with his brothers to strip him and throw him into a well. And I'm sure he still probably hasn't cottoned on that something's not working out well from here. He's probably in the well shouting out, how are you lads? Joke's over. Are you going to get me out? And then when they start pulling him out, he's oh, you're a bunch of funny guys, you. Next thing, boom, he's sold into slavery. His mind and his emotions must have been all over the place. And then, as we read on in verse two, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favour in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From that time, he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned. And the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because Joseph, because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. We do not see here any sense that Joseph has pushed back against God. Let's face it, he's, he's lost his family. He's been sold into slavery. He's here. In a sense, we might feel that, that Joseph might have a little bit of a whinge, but we don't pick that up. He keeps his heart tender and towards the Lord. And what happens is this, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. The Lord gave him success in everything he did. Joseph found favour. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. Joseph's tender-heartedness, God's blessing despite what's gone on, and it looks like things are turning round for him. It looks things like things are back on the up here for Joseph. And then we read. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And, uh, and though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Joseph finds himself in this place of immense pressure to do something that's just not right. And he resists. Why? 
Well, firstly, because the betrayal of Potiphar, that would be a wicked thing to do this thing to this master who'd elevated him and looked after him so well. But also, Joseph points out, it would be a sin against God. I remember a, a, a man called Vic Gledel once said to me, he said, the thing with Christians is we flee the devil and try to resist temptation. But actually, we do better standing firm against the devil and flee temptation. Do not assume that you're strong enough to deal with the temptations that come your way. Remove yourself. If you're feeling tempted, remove yourself even to your own inconvenience that you would not be drawn into something that would take you down. Verse 11, one day, Joseph, one day he, Joseph, went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had ran out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought was, came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. He's Joseph. He has done the right thing. He's done everything in his power not to do the wrong thing. Yet, it all goes horribly wrong. Have you ever found yourself in a place where despite what you have done, somehow everything goes wrong. The accusations come. The false statements about you come. Yet, you in all integrity have tried to do the right thing. Joseph falsely accused of sexual assault. He's not believed. He's now living under, you are this, you are that, you have done this. You're not able to do anything because you are this person. His life has now been shaped by the label placed on him and he finds himself in prison. The consequences of labels that were not his own, of accusations that have no founding, yet Joseph finds himself locked up in a prison. And the verses continue, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favour in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible for that, uh, for, for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. 
once again. If you think about it, there's a lot of reasons why Joseph could be getting a bit annoyed about this. It seems like every stage in his life, it moves forward and then it comes crashing down. And there he is in prison, innocently, and yet he keeps his heart tender to the Lord, despite the circumstances. We read in them verses, the Lord was with him. The Lord granted him favour in the eyes of the prison warden. The Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. In the coming weeks, as you journey through the life of Joseph, you are about to see something absolutely amazing unfold. Despite the best efforts of people and the powers that lie behind people to crush and destroy Joseph, Joseph kept his heart tender towards the Lord. And the Lord, despite in the midst of all these things, the Lord was positioning Joseph through all these trials and temptations, through all these false accusations, through all these imprisonments and abandonment by his brothers, the Lord was moving and positioning Joseph to a place where nations would be rescued from years of famine. Behind the backstory, something global was happening, something huge was happening, but Joseph was traveling on a day-to-day basis, but God was working all things together for good. In Genesis 50 verse 20, Joseph himself says this to his brothers who later on they're reconciled and before him and he says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Many of us are living under the names, the labels that other people have placed on us. Do you know that phrase when when people say, well, you know what Terry's like? It's hardly ever meant in a positive way, really. It's said nicely, but what the caveat is, there's all these ways he behaves like that. We know what he's like. How many times have you heard people say that around you? You know what John's like. You know what Pete's like. Sarah's like. You know, we are boxed in in some people's framework and they love to place it on us. They consume your mind sometimes, these labels, these phrases. Uh, Anne, uh, when she was at school, um, a, a really helpful teacher said something to her once and it was this you will never amount to anything. It was really helpful, wasn't it? And that Anne lived under that for a good number of years. But Jesus comes into her life. She becomes a wonderful wife, a mother of seven children, a phenomenal evangelist leading literally dozens of people to Christ. She worked for Cap. For 15 years, she has her own business that she works across the globe on Etsy on the web or something like that. Uh, and, but this teacher said, you will never amount to much. Yet Jesus comes into her life and writes a different story. Many of us in this room will have had things hanging over us. Things parents might have said to you. Things Colleagues at work, wherever it is, 
people place things onto us. And, you know, this is a true thing, I would say. If I said to you, 99 wonderful things about you and said, but there's this one thing that you need to do differently. What do you think you'd be thinking about driving home or on the bus? Your mind would be consumed by that one thing, not the 99. And so when people speak and put labels on us, it traps us, it holds us down. Sometimes... These labels land on us because of our choices that we've made in life. Maybe sometimes we've willingly made some choices that have created this narrative about our life. Sometimes we've made choices accidentally, but the story still travels with us through our life. Back in the day when you did that, or you did this, or you said this, or you behaved like this, and we somehow can't shake it off. Sometimes the labels that people place on us are due to our, the result of our DNA pool, things that we can't change, the consequence of an economic situation we find ourselves in, the result of someone else's evil behaviour to us. Sometimes these things come and they become our identity and we feel trapped and stuck. A prisoner to the labels that have been put on us. This can be true for communities as well. There are people who might say, uh, oh, you know what bikers like? And immediately you stack a load of things in your mind. Actually, in John 1.46, it said this, didn't it? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? We need to start talking about people and talking about communities the way that Jesus would talk about it. Biker, a place full of untapped destiny that will shape the world. What If we start speaking that over places, Biker, other places around our region, and we call out the destiny. Can you imagine when, when there's a baby in a mother's womb and God's knitting them together, in the mother's womb and God speaking destiny and hope and joy. This child is, this girl's going to grow up. She's going to be this, she's going to be that. God has so much destiny wrapped up into unsaved people. This morning, I don't know this room, you may be not a Christian, you may uh, have just come for the first time. Let me tell you, Jesus as a destiny for your life that is way beyond anything you could imagine if you want to yield yourself to that and invite him to take control of your destiny and let him call forth all those dreams and desires he had for you when you were being formed in your mother's womb. Well, the great news is all them labels, Jesus has come to change that. Luke 4, verse 18 says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me. This was Jesus speaking. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners. Those people, trapped. You set, he's proclaiming freedom to you this morning and recovery of sight to the blind, to the, set the oppressed free. 
We see a shadow of God's divine plan unfolding through the life of Joseph that paints a real-time picture of what has to become. Because Jesus, ultimately, the one who was falsely accused, went on to be crucified, to identify with that ultimate rejection that any of us could face. And then through the cross and resurrection, gives an opportunity for every man, woman and child to live in the destiny, to be who he has created them to be, to be free from the labels, to be free from the consequences of their sin. John 8, 36 says this, if the Son, which is Jesus, sets you free, you shall be free indeed. If you're a Christian this morning, you're free. You, some of you might have lived, believed a lie that you're not free, but Jesus, it's a divine promise. You are free because He has set you free. And I want to tell you as we're coming towards the end of my friend, uh, I've known him for about 10 months, Chuddy. And Chuddy lives in South Bank. And uh, in South Bank in, on Teesside, very similar to, to Biker, really, uh, there was a, an Eden team in, in South Bank and they started doing these gospel meetings on a Tuesday night. A bit like the connect groups that happen around here, uh, where they'll put some food on, somebody, uh, they'll worship Jesus and and then somebody will give a story, a testimony. And Chuddy started coming there. And Chuddy is known by the, the community there. Everybody knows everybody. And uh, Chuddy's been called Chuddy since he was a, a kid. And his, his grandkids call him Granddad Chuddy, right? And uh, so the thing is, he's called Chuddy because when he was a baby, he had an operation on his, on his lip. And it's left a big scar and a lump. And it became a descriptive name for him as a kid that he took hold of. And he's lived his life being called Chuddy based on this uh, imperfection on, on, on his lip. And so he started coming to these meetings and he'd always wear the baseball cap, a bit down like this. And uh, he started touching the hem of Jesus' garment in these meetings. And then he joined one of the disciple groups. And in the disciple group, Krista, the Eden leader, she just said, do you know what, Trudy? I feel God said, he has called you by your name. And then went round the room and everybody didn't really know, nobody knew what his name was apart from himself. He said, oh, my name's Kevin. All right. Right, so the, I'm going to say they got a book out, but they didn't. They went on Google. So that's what you do. What does Kevin mean? It means handsome. And he filled up and he said, the one thing I've never felt in my life is handsome. And he went away from that meeting. Then the next time they met, he come back, he says, my name's not Shuddy. My name's Kevin. Because I am handsome and God thinks I'm handsome. And he moved into freedom and he went round the community and started telling everyone, by the way, don't call me Chuddy anymore. My name's Kevin. Went to his grandkids. I'm granddad Kevin now. That is being set free because the son has set you free. 
That's a true story. And Kevin got baptised in our church last Sunday and stood, shy Kevin now stood in front of 500 people wearing a shirt, declaring freedom in Jesus. That's the Jesus. Because if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That can be you today if you don't know Jesus. If you sat here and you think, I don't think I'm a Christian, well, you're not. Let's make, you, let's make that decision today and decide to become a Christian today. If you are a Christian and you know that you've sat with a load of labels on you, it's time to take them off. It might feel a bit painful. It might feel, you know, when you're taking that like plaster off. Yeah. Some of that could be a bit painful. But Jesus will come and his Holy Spirit will soften that and, what, and just massage his acceptance into you and let you know who you are, a son, a daughter of the King. That can be you today. So let's take 30 seconds just to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And if you want to invite Jesus into your life, just have that conversation with him because he's near, very near.